Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. Welcome to another episode of Empowered Returns. We are here today with Eric Robinson of Roadie Architects. We're psyched to have you, and as always with PT, co-hosting uh, with, uh, with myself. But welcome, Eric. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. Great to have you here, man. Excited Good to about see it. you guys. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hello, PT. Good days good so far? Awesome. Yeah. That's Great. not what you just said like two minutes ago. <laughs> it's going to be one of those podcasts that we're going to do. <laughs> I'm I mean, just checking That's in. where you were, and we can go Let's all go. day. Let's do it. I'm ready right. to rally. Good. Plenty of hot takes today. Yeah. This is great. Right. I love good. it. Good. Good. So, uh, Eric, why don't you just give us a little background how you got into the architecture business? Uh, give us a little, little brief uh, into the Eric gig. bio. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a very long and winding road. Um, but, uh, all the way back into uh, the Wayback Machine of high school. Um, I was one of those kids who took a couple of the, the drawing classes that, you know, the, the, the easy A's, I thought, and um, took those and had a couple good professors. Um, had a really bad one my senior year, and he's like, yeah, we got in a huge fight about our final project. And he was like, you'll never be an architect. And I was like, cool, I don't really want to be one anyways. It's stupid, <laughs> you know, and then left and went to... Uh, I went to actually Greensboro, UNCG, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, rushed a fraternity and did some of the dumb college things you do, and I happened to take a, an art class, and uh, the guy's like, hey, have you ever thought about architecture? And I told him the story, and he's like, you should think about it. And he said, uh, you should transfer to uh, NC State, and they have an awesome design program there, and just see what happens. And I was like, whatever, had no plan, no ideas, really, and so I did, and I started at, at State, and um, they had an awesome design-based program versus a, like a technical architecture program, and it, it fit with what I sort of, how I was, I guess, made. Um, <laughs> and, you know, had a, a great handful of years there, um, met, which we'll talk about probably, my business partner there, um, my sophomore year, because I transferred in his freshman year, but, um, and then I worked in uh, Richmond for a couple of years, um, between and then I went to UVA for grad school had an amazing run at there um, and then one of my professors was there was a visiting professor in from Boston that I had never heard of it was a husband and wife team and they were teaching the semester um, as a sort of out, outside professor or whatever and I took their class and um, we just kind of clicked pretty well and we had a they brought a, a real project to studio which is kind of crazy mm. It was for a, a camp in Wyoming for uh, the Coca-Cola Foundation, and um, we all flew out there and designed our camps in our little, you know, little classrooms or whatever. And then uh, when I got back, graduated, they said, "Come work for us if you want, if you want to come to Boston." And um, my wife's from North Carolina, and she's like, "We're not going to Boston." And <laughs> next thing I know, you know, we're in a moving van driving up, and I got a job there and and worked there for about almost 10 years actually wow. and then so that was kind of what set the the the, the career in, uh, awesome. in motion so what um so that that camp for the coca-cola foundation that was a pretty cool story so it's in wyoming it's for inner city kids they end up hiring you what type of work did you do for them over that decade plus or minus and then sort of what led you to decide to go out and and start roadie yeah so i think the I actually worked on the camp when I went to work for them, um, and which was awesome because I was so familiar with the project. You know, 
I like to claim there was some of my stuff in there from school. Um, and we, we, I worked on that. So we were flying out to Wyoming and it was an amazing environment, of course. And then the whole ethos of the project was like unbelievable. I should probably just hung up my T-square at the time and resigned because, uh, you know, those are one in a lifetime projects in some way. And I was such a kid and no, no idea what I was doing, but I was doing work all over the country there. I was traveling a ton, museums in Florida, student unions in, unions in South Dakota. I did a um, border crossing in Texas for uh, the GSA and you hear it about now crazy on the news. So I was like all over the place, really working on pretty high end design projects, you know, the ones that were up for national awards and things like that. And it was an awesome run. It was just exhausting. I was traveling a lot, working even more, and um, had a family at the time that was young later in those years. And um, then my father actually passed away, not suddenly, but just in his later years. And, um, you know, it was one of those realization of moments like, hey, I need to spend a little more time with my family and on my life and, you know, I'm doing great things. And, you know, my boss and I were very close and I just said, hey, I got to, I need a change. And that was really sort of, for me, the impetus of to, to do something different. Mm. Roadie was sort of kind of out there, but it wasn't really there there yet. Um, and, and, you know, and then Kevin and I connected up and had never worked together. We were just buddies, like I said, from undergraduate. And that, that kind of cast the, the first sort of moment of Roadie back in, it was in actually about 2005. So it's been a little while, but it was, that was the moment of it. So cool. Awesome. Yeah. What, what, you know, from the beginning stages of roadie, did you have a, you know, certain type of architecture you guys were, were oh. meant to get into, or is it just scrapping and clearing in those days? Hell no, we had nothing. <laughs> I mean, we, so we both, so, you know, this, this is, these are story times, right? You know, uh, of so course it is. This, this is what the podcasts yes. are for. 100%. <laughs> That's right. So in the, uh, and so, we like to dive deep on the show, by yeah, the way. So yeah. go, go deep. So please. So I moved, I moved to Boston in 1999. That's when I graduated. Um, my girlfriend, which is now my wife, at the time we lived in the South End um, for one year. And we didn't really know Boston. I was traveling a ton. She was working a ton in, in, in Cambridge, actually. And um, the, our landlord's like, I'm selling your place. Get out of the South End, right? And we're like, oh, we love it. No. Well, we had no money. We were architects, no money. And we pulled out the newspaper at the time, like the, you know, oh, yeah. the actual newspaper, and went to, it was then, I think it was like sorted by price or something. I don't really remember, but we went to the lowest price thing we could find, which was in Dorchester. And we had no idea where Dorchester was. We had nothing. We just went. It was a single family house, not very big, right by the Savin Hill tea station. Um, you know, 20 something years ago. And we begged our parents for a little bit of cash. We bought that place and, uh, we've been there ever since never going to leave going out in a, oh, wow. with a toe tag. Yeah, as, as I say. It's just, it's just been amazing for us. And about, I think it's about a year and a half, two years later, um, my neighbor came to us and he said, hey, I'm selling, you know, anybody that might want to buy off the market. I'm like, I got the perfect sucker. Dialed up Kevin. Oh, no way. You guys are neighbors, too? So one house oh between God, us. Oh, my God. I'd kill him if he lived next door. One house between us. So we weren't direct neighbors, but there was a house between us, right? Yeah. So, and you've since... I'm sure that guy's got a real, real nice, quaint lifestyle there. Yeah. 
So before <laughs> I knew it, class at his house. <laughs> before I knew it, Kevin was moving truck on the street, and him and his wife, who's also named Jennifer, we both have Jennifer wives. Oh boy, um, moved in, and you know we were just friends, right? We were we hadn't worked together. This was all way before any of that, and so, um, but. We were, we were tight and you know we, that's where sort of that's sort of the foundation of eventually getting let's do something so Dorchester together and sort of being is where it all started um, we still both live there he has moved now since um, not too far quarter mile maybe so it's a little <laughs> bit of distance but not not anything more than that but we had nothing no work really um, we were still working at our old firms because mm -hmm. we were at such levels and sort of responsibilities. We took a little while to get out, a couple right. of years really. Yeah. Um, but um, we had no real work. Kevin kind of poached a, a Harvard project from his former employer, which I won't say who it is. But And it was a nice little nugget that floated us for a while, um, you know, a year or so. We had some little bit of money coming in. And then we just started pounding the pavement in Dorchester. We went to like all the nonprofits, all the EDCs, all our neighbors. <laughs> Anybody need anything? You know, we were doing bathroom renovations for people. We were doing, but um, you know, it just really started mm -hmm. in that way. And then um, we got a couple smaller kind of multifamilies yeah. um, around. And that's kind of the, really, it's the history of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how it started. You know? <clears throat> like most, like most uh, businesses getting off the ground, you're just, you know, scrapping and clawing for what you can get. And then, you know, as things evolve, you learn, you grow, you find, you know, you find your fit in the, in the world, so to speak, in the industry and the business. And I'm sure that's similar to how it evolved from there. But, um, what, you know, what would you say is your focus these days? What type of projects are you mostly working on? So, I mean, we try to stay diverse. I mean, the the housing market obviously is 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 out of control and banging, and it still is in, from our seats. Um, so that's that's certainly swallowed up a good chunk of our like life, you know, in terms of that. We're probably running really about sixty five percent of our work is multifamily. Yep. Um, the rest is uh, a pretty wide mix, but probably second in that is is hospitality mm -hmm. type work. Um, we do a ton of restaurants, um, and we're also seeing more and more, which is pretty cool, um, the kind of amenity spaces associated with a lot of these life sciences projects. Mm -hmm. So um, these developers are doing big campuses, and then they need something for, you know, staff, for yep. food, service, um, athletic, you know, workout places or whatever. And we're sort of doing those parts. So we're kind of doing the, I'll say, the fun part of lab projects. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That right? was interesting when, we, when you were telling me about that. Like, you know, you don't think everyone kind of, at, at least there's this perception of amenities spaces being like, you know, predominantly in residential buildings, right? Yeah. Some office buildings, obviously, sure, or, sure. Or, or, you know, we'll have some, some focus on amenities. But life science and amenities, I just didn't really kind of put that together. And you were saying that that's been a big piece of business lately. And it's it's uh, marketing, right? In yeah. some way. And, and yeah. they have to, just like all of our other works, you know, you got to figure out how you, what, how are you going to differentiate yourselves? Right. And, and so that's been a nice piece of work um, that seems to continue. We're doing more of those, which is very fun. I wouldn't be surprised because it just, it's like the amenitization of everything right now. Everything. Days. I mean, from colleges, universities, even high schools, private schools, and, you know, obviously housing yeah. is traditional, but, but pretty much even, even in urban and city development, you're thinking about the, 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 the places and not just the buildings around it and, and how that's being programmed and amenitized. And so, 
you know, it's I, I expect that's a trend that will continue, which sounds like it's good fun for you. It's it's really <laughs> derived, like I think, from the experience aspect mm-hmm. of yep. it, right? And that ties so like sweetly back to our restaurant work, where you know we all go out to restaurants and yeah, the food's good, but the rest, the environment and the experience has to be well sort of put together, and we we believe. And so I think early on, we, we like to say we were earlier adopters of just sort of like when our multifamily work was coming. It was more than just the units, right? Yeah. The units, and uh, it was more about the sort of experience and the and the the sort of place where these folks are going to live means something. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I think that 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 derives from a lot of that sort of early like kicking and screaming of like, how do we differentiate ourselves? What do we think about? You know, and um, so it's been this sort of pretty nice kind of blend of of the work that's been cool actually and we're you know we 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 just finished a a fairly large um i'll say food hall ish program for a very large uh tech that we can't say um which everybody can kind of maybe (laughs) i thought we were making an announcement on this podcast no 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 no. and i won't even say what it rhymes with because it has a rhymer i'm sure but i don't know it's probably not a real word but um Um, but you know, that was another opportunity to sort of like be in an environment that was different yeah, and bring our sort of expertise and, you know, it's, we're all designers in a lot of ways, but we also have interior designers on staff that are like kind of kick ass. Yeah. And and that we, they're awesome. They're awesome. So I want to kind of get back into the weeds on some of this stuff specifically, but maybe, it might make sense just to kind of peel it back one layer. And you talked about, you know, once you guys got going, you started getting some work, how you're going to differentiate yourself. Like what is kind of the secret sauce of Rody, yeah. right? Like if you had to really kind of, you know, encapsulate it quickly, what what would you, how would you define yeah. it? Quickly, as you've learned, I don't do quickly. No, but, but you know, yeah. that, makes, that makes so two yeah. of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think probably the real hallmark of where we believe we're different is in our community process, actually. So... It's not even the design work and not even the interiors. It's about our process and dealing with the community that we're, we're designing in and for. And that definitely came from the Dorchester work that we did where we were out in the community like busting our ass to get these projects approved because it was definitely the NIMBYs were out. And you know we were finding that it was a pretty tough slug and we really kind of honed our craft and our skill because one, we were on our own little planning board for our own community. So we were on the other side and we were seeing the junk that people were kind of proposing. And then we learned like, wait, they want, oh, why don't we talk about what, why are we doing these things? And what, what makes this project different than the one that's going to be like hulking on top of somebody, right? And they're all like up in arms about it. And so. Yeah. We kind of honed our craft to really be responsible and respectful of where we're designing and where we're going into these communities. So that's kind of our, that is our, at the heart of Rody. After that, it's design. Um, we we are not the cookie cutter design firm. That, that, there's a ton of those in the, in the city that can, you know, whatever, out. Do. They're not coming on this podcast. Yeah, they can out, <laughs> they can out basic design us no problem, right? right. And you see it around, and I think people are tired of that, and that's fine. 
And you know, there's a place for that. So I'm they're not judging that. But I think what yeah, we are. yeah a little bit, a little bit. But what we <laughs> sounded pretty yeah. damn We want to find projects that, you know, and clients that want something a little little more special, a little more thoughtful, a little bit more sort of, you know, meaningful. Um, it just for us it makes a better project and also it's like hell, I only have so much time in the day. I want to do stuff that kind yeah. of is rewarding at yeah. some level. So um, and we've had some really unbelievable projects that, again, going back to some of the other stuff, I can't believe some of the stuff that we're working on now and have worked on. It's like crazy. It's so helpful uh, to work with an architecture team like you from our perspective, too, when we're doing the end marketing and sales or Lisa, because being able to have a, a cool design that is not cookie cutter and different allows you to market and brand a, a building and a community in a much more powerful way, too. So it's, it is exciting. I think I think there's... We've talked to other guests and clients about this as well. That it, the importance of investing in design cannot be understated. Yeah. And so, you know, it's exciting when you when you talk to an architect like you, who, who when your team was so excited about like actually doing stuff that's new and different and cool and not just, you know, cookie cutter to try to sort of maximize the envelope and that's the end of the story type of thing. So yeah, I mean, when you really boil it all down, like every building's the same, right? You got windows and you got walls and you got. It's just how you do them a little differently and how you think about it a little differently. And it's like, you know, I don't think we're any more expensive than anybody else. So it's not, you know, it's so it's just I think it's just a little bit of a different way to think about it. Um, and we like that. We like that. We had some unbelievably challenging sites to work on, <laughs> which is cool. Right. It's yeah. Like, how do you get anything to even work here? Well, let's think about it. Right. And we, we doodle and draw and do all that stuff that everybody does. But. Um, we talk a lot about the work and try to like strategize how do we make it better and sort of really thoughtful and you know and I think we create value I mean I you know to pat ourselves on the back a little bit we create value for our clients um, on some level and that's one of the things that I just believe in that design can do that mm. and, you know so, so what, what do you how do you work say a client's coming in they have a site maybe it's a challenging site who knows but um, you know it's a, let's just assume it's a housing development for a sure. second here how do you how do you guys first approach it when a client says, "Hey, I have this I have this site. What do you what's the next step for you guys to understand how can you work with that client to sort of maximize obviously the economic viability of the project, but also make sure you're able to unlock a cool a cool design?" Yeah. Um, so we have a very fairly rigorous process actually at, at the office, um, which we we adhere uh, pretty pretty well to, um, but you know a lot of it all I mean. Almost all of, I don't even know what the percent, I'll say 90%, 95 is all referral work. So most of the folks coming to us already know a little bit about who we are and what we do and how we work on some level, not, every, you know, everybody, but, and so that helps us because then we could talk about our process and like, hey, we're going to do, we're going to explore some ideas with you, right? We're going to, so, so we will, um, a project comes in and, you know, actually it was this, just happened yesterday, which was very cool. Like one of our clients called and he's like, oh my God, we got last last call for offers on, well, he, he actually, okay, he called, he said, can you look at the site for us? <laughs> and we're like, I was like, sure, no problem. You know, well, let me see what I can do. Grab a couple people over the next couple of days or whatever. And he, like, I get like an email or a text or something from him, like, felt like an hour later. He's like, uh, we just learned last call for offers is Thursday morning. And we're like, <laughs> Just learned, uh, yes. <laughs> Never heard that before. Fire drill with the developer Good client? Good for sure. client. I, I believe him. I, I, I'm an optimist, and a, I believe right. people. I'm sort of probably, but we're like, fine. 
rolled up the sleeves, laid out the site plan, pulled out the trace with the five of my folks, and we just talked about it, strategized, drew it up, handed over, someone, boom, go. And the work, if we have a, like a little bit more of a linear trajectory, it's kind of the same. I mean, we just might spend a little more time on it. And granted, this is, he's not going to build this. He, you know, I mean, he will, hopefully. But, I mean, this was ideas, right? But we do start in the idea phase. Like, mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we make this thing better than what people could think it could be, right? The client comes in, I got this site, I, you know, I don't know, I could think of this. Let's blow him away or her away and give him something that it's going to make more value, give them something to, to think about, push them a little bit. We do, uh, we kind of have this, we, I don't know if we patent it, probably not, but small, medium, and large approach is how we really think about each of our projects where we'll, you know, smaller intervention, medium, or large. And that is applicable to any kind of project, like a, a reno or even a, a, a resi project. Like, let's go big, right? Let's put a 20-story tower on something. Mm. PT knows what I'm talking about. And, or let's be, you know, they want an easier uh, permitting process, so let's, we think that's a sort of kind of a I'll say slam dunk. There's no slam dunks in the city, but there's right. a process there. Yeah. So, so we strategize up front with our clients on goals and what what are the expectations. It sort of use that to really influence the process, and then we jump into our process, which is sort of and, and it's not esoteric, but it's it's a, we're a concept driven firm. So mm -hmm. we develop a concept for the site, and that concept hangs throughout the process, and it. It's, it, it depends on what it is, so each project's different, but we, we apply uh, a concept to all of our projects, and it guides the principles of design, you know, what the expectations of the goals are, whatever it might be. Is it passive house, super sustainable? Is it, like, you know, affordable housing? Is it for, we're doing a huge project with Pine Street Inn right now um, for supportive housing for formerly homeless people. Like, so it, these, it has this sort of, these different things that go along with each project that we kind of a touch point that keeps constant throughout the project. And it might change, of course, but it's still there. So we sort yeah. of think about our projects in that way. And so, um, cool. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. How, how much, how much does it help or, or, or hurt your process if a, if a developer or other client comes in with like a pretty well-formed vision? We don't do them. <clears throat> I mean, or not, we don't do them. We, we, we say, is that really where it is? Yeah. And we'll give honest feedback. Actually, we've had a we've had a handful of people come to us and like, hey, this is a, what do you guys think? And we're like, oh. and we'll like mark it up or talk to them about. It. And we're like, yeah, we do that. And sometimes they're like, oh, cool, let's it's worth the time and effort to go back and do it, or it's not. Right. That's fine. I don't, yeah. Like we're not in it. Like we try to take this whole idea. Like we're just doing our job, right? We're designers. I don't have to do every project in the city. I don't have to do everything. If I can help somebody with like a little sketch or a free idea or something like that or connect them with somebody, that's that's awesome, right? I'm mm. making a connection. I'm making. I'm helping somebody else out, and I'm, I'm a big believer in karma. So people, yeah, that yeah. I, I'm a, I, I believe really strongly in that. So I think it's just like, hey, let's just do the right thing and help people and figure it out and it comes around. So. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's sort of that theory of abundance and you know being a giver, the stuff is gonna come around to you, right? There's tons of work right yeah. now. I mean, yeah, maybe when it gets tighter, there won't be as much. <laughs> and we'll, I'll take a different approach and we'll, you know. But, we're all hunting squirrels in the street. Yeah, right. Come back and tell us a different story. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's not. I'm just kidding. Don't. Nobody believe that. It's not coming. No recession. I'm. I'm really happy we have an excellent editor for this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I think you undersold it a little bit, and when you're just like, oh, we bring some value. Like you bring a ton of value, right? I think anyone who 
is an expert at their craft on that has a you know real critical part of a you know the role on a development team adds a ton of value. I think architect is really high up the food chain with that. I think some people might not realize it, but like how big is your role in entitlements and how much value and impact do you think you can have if you're in early in that community process with the right concept driven design? Like how much does that move the needle from a value standpoint for a developer to have the right architect team up with them during entitlements? Because you see a lot of times they'll like get schematics done and then they're like, oh, now I got to get CDs. Now I'll bring in a different architect, you know? And I see a ton of that, and it always boggles my mind because the building will typically suck, the one that got approved, and then it's like someone has to square peg round hole, figure out a way to, like, make that sucky building good, right? And so do you guys find yourselves in that position? Will you even get in that position, or what do you bring to the table up front that you think really is going to drive drive value for developers? For us, that entitlements phase is the most important piece. It sets everything I mean, it, for us, it does. And for the project, it does. And we, um, I should say don't or never. I don't know if we have. I don't think we've ever taken over a project for another firm that was entitled. Maybe one. But we changed it. <laughs> but, you know, for us, we want to be there from day one to day done, right? And that's important to us. And, you know, you just talked about, like, when um, experts come to the table, we believe everybody's an expert in terms of their own sort of like knowledge base or whatever. So the, the, you know, the developers obviously bring their sort of expertise in land, finding deals and sort of figuring out the financing or what, and all of the stuff that goes with that. You guys, we love you guys up early, right? As much as our, and we talk to our clients a lot and the smaller ones aren't so sophisticated in some of this ways, you know, and right. we're like, hey, Reach out to a broker and understand what the market's driving in this neighborhood for this site, right? It changes. You guys know. Real time. Every, bro- yeah. every block, every whatever is different. That helps us because if, you know, this is a, is this a three bedroom play or is this like a friggin' tiniest studio? You can't even get a damn bed in, right? Play. <laughs> what is this? Because that matters, especially for the entitlements phase of the parking ratios, the density, the any, every, everything matters up front so we really do believe people come to the table our developers come as experts what they want to see but we also want to be respected as experts in the field from design standpoint right so we want to be heard made sure we're heard and you know those are the clients that we sort of really appreciate an educated client is our best client and i I think that sounds like that's like a a chicken ad or something like that but like (laughs) i have no idea where you're going with that you know what i mean like Purdue had a, anyway, forget. But you know, <laughs> but that's important, right? It's it's like it's helpful, and, and to have the dialogue is even more helpful, right? Like you know, and so. Um, how, how do you, how do you how do you usually work with a client that you're trying to shift and sort of maybe expand their horizons a little bit from that, like oh, you know, this is just a simple five over one project or yeah. something, and like. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. Wait, let's think about something a little bit different. We got some good five over ones. <laughs> not saying, not <laughs> no, saying, yeah. No, 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 I mean, no. Yeah. no. I, I think it's that sort of design process that is sort of like, is our process, right? But it is, we do talk about like the small, medium, and large approach. And and that might, that might have sort of like fine slices in it. But we want to, 
it's easy and fast for us to think creatively and upfront when we're just drawing some lines, right? It's doodles, it's whatever. It doesn't cost that much, but it might push, change the needle for them on, wait, you think if I provide this public space for my, for the neighborhood or whatever it is, but I go up two more floors, you think that's viable? And we're like, yes, because we are thinking about that community process, right? We're talking, thinking about how we're going to talk to the community about why is this project good for this site, this neighborhood. It's specific to this site and neighborhood. It's not just like, you know, UFO <laughs> drop something in there. No, we talk about it and we talk about slow rolling our process a little bit. Maybe that's where some of our clients, you know, we want to go through the necessary steps, but we believe at the end of the entitlements, it's a better project and it's going to be embraced by the community and it's going to be a better sort of functioning project for our clients and our developers. So ah, that's what we believe and you ain't going to change it. <laughs> or maybe you will. <laughs> Uh, unless PT has uh, has a uh, has an opposing opinion, then no, I, I agree. I think I think it is so important to have that mindset from the beginning. Like, let's let's think what can really be done there, and and for two aspects of that are key, right? Obviously, you've got to make a project economically viable, of course, but you've also got to make it work for the community and the neighborhood it sits in for two reasons: for the people that already live there, but for the new people coming in too to really build a fantastic place for them to live too, and 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 improve the community. I think that's what development can really do, and it's best you know, best case scenarios and, 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 and that design and architecture process is really so, so critical on that. I, and listen, you know, there's a lot of like negativity out there about the community process and all that bullshit. I, I think it's great. I love the community process. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's a, a, you know, whatever walk in the park, but it hones the skill of the project and the team to get the project right. And doesn't mean you bend over backward for the community. Doesn't mean you do what they say. It means that you have a dialogue and appreciation of what we're trying to do and we're listening to what you want to hear. And they're not gonna love everything, that's okay. And we're not gonna love everything either. So right. it's this really nice balance. And listen, we've worked in every neighborhood in the city and they all have their own you know, sort of buttons and sort of ideas and things and that's cool. That's okay. It's their neighborhood and we're going into it. So we need to listen a little bit. And, you know, I think the healthiest projects in terms of the, the, the best projects have been healthy community dialogues and it's kind of, it's great. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little longer, but that's okay. And at the end, if we have a, a project that still works for the client and maybe exceeded their expectations and, you know, the, 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 the neighbors can embrace you afterwards. And we've had this happen um, multiple times where we've been at projects and one was, um, special <laughs> for us was 3200 Washington street and mm -hmm. JP, which was one of the sort of earlier, bigger projects on Washington street yeah. and JP. And it was a brutal process, really, really brutal. And not for, not for, you know, the reasons of just the reason. And I, there was a, uh, one of the reporters, I won't say who, but you know, he was following the whole thing through the process. And at the end, he, and I probably shouldn't say this actually, now I think about it, because he told me not to say anything. But at the end, <laughs> at the end, we were working actually another project down the street. And he actually came up to me and he said, you know what? You, what you guys said you were going to do, you delivered. And I was like, 
that's freaking awesome. Like, yeah. right? You know, right. The, the extra space on the plaza, the trees, the experience of the, of the neighborhood, right? Yeah. You have room to move through this. You, you don't feel like overwhelmed by it. We pulled it back. Whatever, you know, we did a million things. About so those are like the moments where we're like, well, yeah, we're doing something right. So we yeah. want to keep doing it. You know, yeah. So. Um, so it, I just always found that it's kind of a, there's some interesting crossover and can you speak to it a little bit between, you know, kind of your core areas of work, you know, obviously predominantly on the, on the resi side with yep. the multifamily, but then the hospitality side and, you know, how those have kind of conjoined as far as the approach you take. And then specifically one thing that I think differenti differentiates Rody from, from a lot of other firms that are out there is the focus on interiors, that dedicated interiors team, yeah. and, and really kind of stepping it up a level from that standpoint, yeah. you know, aesthetically, both in-unit and common space and amenity space and all that. And can you kind of speak to how that sort of evolved and sort of how you guys approach it, um, you know, on a firm level as you as you look at all these different types of work? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, back in the day, I'll say when it was, yeah, we were we were working through and developing and learning roadie for our own selves. We were we thought we were doing some pretty good work, right? We were like, eh, stuff's pretty good. Yeah, it's not so bad. It looks a little different than others, but whatever. But what we we felt like we were missing was this sort of the blend of the interior exterior, right? This sort of moment of like we we were all architects at the time, and, and um. We, we really were like, God, we, we need to get an interiors person in here. And we found one in, in, in Jess uh, Haley, who runs our, she's now principal at Rody. She's kind of, kind of pretty much the best. Hopefully yeah, 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 she'll yeah. hear this. And, but I don't want <laughs> to pump her up too much, but you know, you, it, you, you, she came on board and it just like keep, clicked it all like boom, bam. Right. And Can you do that one more time. Boom, bam, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what it did was it just upped it another level. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that's in kind of everything, you know. And, and, but you, when you really have a, a, an amazing dialogue between the interior and the exterior of a building, it's when, it, you know, I mean, we are kind of designing these things for people to be in, right? No matter <laughs> what it is, right? It's like resi, restaurant, lab building. People are going to be using this thing. And so it's a, kind of about the people. Right, so the interior is actually kind of, kind of more important than the architecture That's, in a lot of ways, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like when we pulled that in and just in, it just kind of like moved it a whole nother needle, right, a whole nother level. And then, you know, she brought in her sort of desire and kind of want to do more restaurant hospitality work than she was doing before at her old place. And you know, she's really kind of like knocked it out of the park. It's like She's one of the go-to, I think, in hospitality and interior designers in, in the city and the Northeast or whatever. <laughs> you know, she's just unbelievable. And she now has a team. You know, there's five interior designers that, like, are awesome, right? And they, they are just part of our process. So it's not like we design a building and we say, hand it to the interiors team. Oh, no. That concept is all about the experience and starts from beginning to end. So they're part of the unit layouts, figuring out the common areas when we're designing the building. Like, you know, and it, so, cause it, it needs to be done then cause you got to bake it in then. Right? right. And so, um, that's 
been kind of critical to, I think, the success of us pulling the whole thing together. Um, so Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. One of the things you, you just mentioned that really resonated with me was when you said, you know, it's about building for people, people to either live there or work there or eat or play or whatever it might be. And I, I feel like sometimes that gets lost when you, you know, you have a pro forma spreadsheet and you've got plans on a, on a page and some line drawings. And, and oftentimes that gets lost with other architecture firms when, or when we're talking to clients. And it's like, but hey, we're not just building this to build a cool looking building. We're building it so that we can sell it or lease it and that people can live there and have a, have a really cool community, uh, you know, feeling and, 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 and lifestyle in this yeah. building. And that's what's it, most important. I feel like that's something that's get lost. I'm glad you, glad it's you said totally, that. It's totally, and it is all derived out of the hospitality side of the firm. And like we're doing hotels now, right? It's all about an experience and it's all about feeling like a, you're at a place yeah, and that you feel good about and comfortable and, and, you know, whatever that means. And so, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, and I think that, and we're trying to bring that a little bit of that creativity to some of our industrial work too. And, mm -hmm. you know, which is maybe a little bit harder to kind of connect the dots, but like, you know, machines need, no, I'm just kidding. They, um, but, uh, <laughs> but people are what? there What's too, going? right? <laughs> people are in, are in these sort of larger mm -hmm. industrial projects and, and, you know, there's a lot of makerspace stuff happening. And, you know, yes, they need the kind of the, the cold grid of a, of a hardcore warehousing or whatever it might be. But there's also going to be people interacting with this thing and coming in and out and working there and experiencing it. And then, oh, yeah, it's got to go into a community somewhere, right? So you got to have that dialogue with the community, too. Like, you're putting a what? Where? A 200,000 square foot warehouse next to my house? Well, yeah. But we're going to do an awesome park or a, a kick-ass entry or what you know and we're going to take care of some traffic issues you know so there's a dialogue that has yeah. to happen and so it's kind of like an interesting piece but so where, where do you get speaking of like how you're designing whether it's interiors exteriors or even just the you know community placemaking where do you get well i guess two parts of it where do you get your inspiration for that and where do you get you know the original feedback or thoughts from what what the end user is going to want in the first place that will be absorbed by the market it is all site specific. Like, and what, do you, what, what does that mean? Right? You know, so we go and visit sites. We walk the sites. We think about the history of a site. We're doing a cool ass project in Worcester right now, um, right downtown in the canal art, the canal district. It's going to be probably pretty close to the tallest building, certainly in the area. But you know, Worcester is seeing a pretty big renaissance mm -hmm. yeah. there. Yeah. And you know, it's on an, a, a sort of an old kind of historical site that's pretty well known. And um, we derive a lot of it from the history of Worcester, right? Worcester is all about innovation and sort of like forward thinking. And so this building is going to be like super sustainable. It's got like this really creative in terms of the units are, are um, we're looking at them in terms of a modular type approach. But it's very forward looking in how to sort of deliver a project that's cool, but also easy to build. And so, you know, it's like, so we, we drove, we pulled a lot of that out. What, so what does that mean architecturally, right? Oh, well, it's got to be kind of like put together, tight, easy to build, sort of but clean and modern. And so, you know, it, it's really derived. So each project site driven. And then like when it comes to our hospitality work, that's really a riffing off the chef most of the time. You know, chefs come to us and they're amazing. I mean, we've dealt with so many like um, unbelievable chefs in the city and, and, and cooks and things. And they, they know their craft, talk about an expert in their field, right? They know their craft, how they want the food to, to look, smell, you know, 
be presented, whatever it might be. And they come with this unbelievable knowledge. But most of them don't have a clue, like, what a light is, what a, you know, <laughs> bank at, you know, or, I mean, that's probably too much. But, like, but how you pull that together. So we sit and listen to them and hear about their food, taste their food, hopefully, you know. That's really the only make reason I go. Process, yeah. I yeah. go, I got to <laughs> eat their Take food. Take along with Eric for a free meal. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. They're yeah. so generous. But because they really love and believe in what they do. Right. And it's, it really, you know, it's, I know probably this is obvious, but it's such a creative industry, like the, being a chef and thinking about your food. And it's so personal in so many ways. So like they come in and we just sit and talk to them and listen and go see their place or, or whatever they are inspired by. And then we just kind of like through the magic of pixie dust, we kind of come up with this idea of this concept and, um, you know, and it just kind of, again, follows it through the project. Like, hey, you said you wanted it to be a nautical theme or whatever it might be. There's a million ways to do nautical, right? So we just kind of use a bunch of different precedents and pictures and ideas and thoughts and put those together and kind of like walk them through the process. So, mm. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of kind of pretty amazing that it, and it's, it's mystifying in some weird way. But yeah. It works. And uh, uh, where, where along the way, you know, whether it's whatever type of project, whether it's multifamily or whether it's a restaurant or anything else, where does, where does budget come into play in terms of what you guys are designing and how you're thinking about a project? Always. <laughs> well, on some level. Um, you know, I think we, we like to ensure that we are not um, self-value engineering from day one. We want it. We want to. We try to. And this is the doodle phase, right? When we're drawing, we want to dream up front to make sure that we are not self sort of limiting what the possibilities of a project might be. And that that's, you know, obviously we have things we have to parameters and things, constraints we have to work in within the building code and all that stuff. But as we're thinking early on, we want to dream and be sort of thoughtful about how we're thinking about a project, but we don't want to limit ourselves up front. But ultimately we know there's plenty of architects that can design, I'll say, design the pants off us, right? They can beat us any on design, but can they get it built, right? So, and that's the proof is in the pudding because none of our developers that I know have, have yet come to us to say, hey, design us an amazing building that we can't build. <laughs> or right? have a blank checkbook, right? Or right, right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they haven't come in the door yet. If they, I'd love to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, we would Rodearchitects.com. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. um, but, you know, so they all come in with budgets. They all have different expectations of budgets. Right. And different ideas about what the budget means, right, and what the value of the design is. And so that's where we don't want to self-limit our upfront. And we want to talk about, like, again, we feel like we're generating value. Budget's always part of the discussion. Really, it really is. Um, we do a bunch of benchmarking internally. Like, what did that project cost? What did this project cost? How do we, we so we know our budget numbers. You know, and the market's all over the damn place right now. So right. it's like the one thing we can't control. But I can guarantee what we will do, if something's offline or, or array or crazy or whatever it is, we're, we're like, okay, let's talk about it. And let's figure out the right way to deal with this situation. Yeah. We, we are, we talk a lot about death by a thousand cuts. We are value engineering by a thousand things. Yeah. So we don't, it's not like lop off that into the building and we'll save that much. No, let's get in and kind of figure out is the HVAC system the right one? What's going on with the, the piping and you know, whatever we'll, we'll sort of noodle into anything we can to try to like 
but budget's always an issue, always. Yeah. And honestly, especially on the restaurant work, I mean, they, they most of these chef-driven restaurants, you know, some are backed by big money or investors, but most are not. They're like tired of working at their place and they're like, I can do this on my own, let's go. So they come in with like, you know, lint, right? <laughs> Which doesn't pay the bills, but it's a fun process. No, right. I'm just <laughs> but it's, you know, but they come in and we have to be responsible for that and respectful of that. We don't want, you know, we, there's no, no good in the, 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 you know, the, the chatter out there is Rody can design an awesome building and get it, you know, sort of permit or whatever, but we can't build it. Yeah. Doing, that right. does nobody any good. So, so uh, along those lines, I don't think a lot of people, even, you know, people starting out in development, um, have it. Any real like know the extent of your involvement throughout construction and yeah. how important is it for you to you know have a, a functional working relationship with the contractor and just sort of educate people a little bit on just how immersed you guys are throughout the entire build. It's not like you design the building, create the plans, and then like see you later. I mean, it's there's so much involved there, and I just think people sometimes don't recognize that. And yep. I kind of want, just want you to speak to it a little bit and how critical it is, to your point, to make sure that something goes from concept to design to actually built. Yeah. And, and built well. And built well, right. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the building industry, or building in general, is tough. It's hard, mm. right? And we are, like, I guess, sort of understood role is to, like, come up with a building, you draw it on, like, People still call them blueprints. They're not blueprints anymore, right? Drawings. Typewriters. You got all yeah. the typewriters over there. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so what we're doing is we're creating the recipe to build the building, right? That is the bottom line. Like, you know, do this, 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 right? But at the end of the day, we're also human. I mean, we're, 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 we're not perfect. We're not machines. We're not. The, so, you know, we need to make sure that the drawing set is being interpreted properly by the contractor because they are not sitting at our desks while we're drawing and they're not part of the two years of entitlements and they're not part of the discussion with the client. That's our job. Yeah. And yes, the clients are involved. Absolutely. And they will send the message of whatever, but we, it's our job to draw the building, own the building in terms of what we drew and then help the contractor build it and build it right. And so we want to be involved from start to finish because the process is just much better. But it is a difficult thing to build drawings, especially when the market is hot as hell because nobody's giving you good pricing. No one's looking at the drawings. They're like, ah, just throwing numbers out there, whatever it is. And so we want to be involved, but we are involved a lot. And like probably, I don't know exactly the number, it might be like 40% of our time on a project on a project. Yeah. yeah. Trying to think of the numbers, but like it's a chunk, right? It ain't like 15 minutes, right? Yep. We are there every week. We're there. I mean, and we, we scale that accordingly because mm. some projects don't need it. That's fine. But, and some, some of our clients, smaller ones are builder developers. So they're like, eh, you know, I'm my own client. I can, if I want to change the finish on something, I want to change it. Okay. That's fine. We're not, we're not like, those type folks, you know, so um, it just it depends. But a real like a real project that's complicated with the real thing, 
we're involved. We're involved weekly doing all the submittal review because the contractors are, you know, providing us. They're interpreting our drawings for whatever it is. This is the flooring you said you want. They send it out to their subcontractors. It comes back at submittals. We review it. Mm. That's not the flooring that we agreed to <laughs> with the client, right? Two years ago, then we say, client, this isn't good enough. Or client, are you okay with this? It's okay. Like, right. So that's where we come in and we play it throughout the con the construction you know, check with the marketing people on those. Check with the marketing people, right? <laughs> so that's when the team up, when we talked earlier, like when, when the team is like up front together. Yeah. Yeah. End of the line is easy peasy, right? Because we're all in it together. Yeah. And if I show PT a different color flooring and I'm like, we're good with it. Are you good with it? Yeah, I'm good with it. Or. That's that they're doing that in that building next door and the one down the street. And we, we got to differentiate ourselves, right? Like how many times can you have white on white on white? Right. Right. So it's uh, a billion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is our white one bedroom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's so, it's so true. And we talk about this a lot too. Just assembling the full team early in the process makes everything go so much smoother, so much, better. so much smoother, saves costs, delivers a better product to market. You know, it's just, it's just, an, it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant sort of reiteration that we talk to for clients getting started on a project and they're like, you know, pick it, pick come in and pick our brain. Probably the same thing happens to you. It's like, well, let's, let's really dive into this and, and, and start and think about assembling the whole team now. Yeah. We don't have to wait till the project's under construction to start building all these pieces because it just adds confusion and layers of totally. you know, potential chaos. And no, when you want it, when you, when you hit construction, you, you want everything friggin' dialed in, ready to go. Nobody wants to be figuring out stuff in the construction field. I mean, that's just, that ain't helping anybody. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, spending the time up front, which, yeah, of course, benefits us. We, but ultimately, it pays much bigger dividends. At oh, the for end. sure. Not even a question. And, um, you know, people come and they say, hey, no, I know how to do it. And we'll, we'll listen. That's okay. I mean, we'll, if that's how they really want to do it. But, like, the projects that we all walk away together and we're like, high five in each other and be like, damn, that was a bitch, but that was a freaking great mm. project. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And that's, those are the ones that it's like, if you can keep the team together, which takes, yeah, drop the ego at the door. Let's figure this out. Wow. What happened here? You know, but if you can do that and keep the team together, then it's, it's going to get there. Yeah, without a doubt, and and we're, and you know, for sure, at least from my perspective, we're not just talking about the two hundred unit projects like we're working mm -hmm. on now, but it's the ten and twenties as well. The same thing. It's actually more important yeah. on the ten and twenties, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, because yeah. it it can go south fast, whereas the two hundred, you usually have a fairly good contractor who's done it before, and sure they know the tricks, but they also know what's respect expected of them. It's the smaller ones yeah. that actually can go sideways fast. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of these sort of upstart developers are, are trying to figure this out, right? Yeah. And you can get killed fast. Yeah. Well, you, you yeah. know, the funny thing is we talk to developers all the time about this, too, and you're in the same boat is that, you know, when whether you're a smaller or a larger developer, you might be doing one or two projects at a time or in a given time. And where we're doing, you know, 15s and 20s at any given time. And so we, oh, yeah. Have, yeah. we have so many reps at bat, so to speak, to see what can go wrong and, and similar with you guys on the architecture yep. side. Just so many more things you're seeing every day and seeing what's happening in the market, seeing what's happening from planning and designing and entitlements and seeing what's, you know, so all these things that a good team can bring to the table early on that can help, you know, avoid problems or, or know how to solve the problems that always come up. Yeah. 
And that's it's, why it's so important. It's so important. And I mean, for us, like we, we I think we have like 55 active projects right mm. now. Yeah, and, right. Exactly. And, there you go. And, but they're all over the place from the standpoint of like where they are in the process, right? Yep. Some are just like, again, chicken scratch on a, on a piece of paper and some are like, we're trying to get to punch list, right? Right. But the way we work internally is, is so transparent and probably annoying on a lot of levels because we're always in each other's business and knowing what's, but we are learning what's happening. What didn't work on that project? Totally. Right? Yeah. Don't do those blah, 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 because right. they suck or they're right. not right. whatever right. it is, right? right. 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 And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so you're like, no, we tried that. And yeah, you're going to save 10 bucks or whatever it is. But it's going to cost you gonna, 20. 20. Right. And it's going to break and suck, right? right. Or whatever yeah. it is. So I think that's where, I mean, you kind of got to be a realist about it, right? You just have to be real. Like, hey, one's so good. And I just, we're just warning you. You can make the decision. Yep. You know, you're the client. We're happy with that, but we're going to, our job is to try to warn and guide. And Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we see a lot, uh, like Mike said, it's just, it's, it's at bats, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, you've got, it is we, we've probably got 30 projects going in various stages from consulting to, you know, CO, CO a couple of days ago, like yeah. literally on one of them. Right. Yeah. And it's like, um, yeah, you just see so many things. And, um, yeah. you know, I think you made a reference to it with, the Worcester project, and then you just sort of alluded to it when you're talking about smaller projects. Yeah. Um, so sustainability is obviously huge right now, but like knowing what the hell you're doing to actually bring that into yeah. a project, and what are you, I, I know that that's kind of a hot button just across the board and in, in construction board. and architecture and real estate development in general, and what. Like, how are you guys looking at that kind of high level? Yep. And then can you give a couple examples of like some, I know, I think you've got like that project going down. Is it Stoughton or something? You're doing 18 passive houses, right? Yes. And then, yeah. um, you know, where you've seen it go really well, or you've seen it go really south and sort of where it's <laughs> yeah. trending. And, and just, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I think you've got way more insight, in, yeah. insight on it than, yeah, yeah. than I do. I mean, sure. it, it's interesting, you know, like the, you know, the, the um, environmental movement, right? It was also like, Peace, love, you know, like, from, whatever, like, whatever. You that know. sounded I'm way too it. authentic. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm good with. Don't you are, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was sound like, effects, let's, peace, let's, love, all that. You're just like, yeah. You're like, it's your thing. Let's let's try something, right? Let's put solar on the roof and run some hoses through it, and you'll get hot water, right? Yeah. Wow, who fucking cares? Right. That was where it was built out of, right? And but now it's like a friggin' science, like it's science experiment, like, and we are doing like uh, sustainable projects that are like friggin' Swiss watches. They're machines, right? And so you, you gotta have blower door tests and you tape in every damn whatever it is. And But the process of making sure that gets done takes, going back to your construction, is eyes on the, the field and dealing with it. And so what, what, what started as like sort of this far out idea about being more sustainable is now becoming mandated by the building code. Mm. right like so it ain't like uh let's let's do something for fun because we want to do it no like now the buildings have to run at a certain level right they need to be like operating at these these points and man if you hit the don't hit those at like c of o and you can't produce the reports on stuff that's a problem because then you're like oh shit that unit is leaking how do i where do you go Take the drywall off. 
go into the freaking insulation. You go into the wall. You're tr- you're going into vapor barriers. You're going. You're like that is not a situation. So, what what used to be an experiment is now like really the sort of like you got to do these things and you got to be on top of them. And we're just seeing it like, and again, I'm happy. I want us to be more sustainable. That is like my 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 degree when I we talked about it back in NC State was. It's an environmental design and architecture, which is like, and you know, it seems like I don't even know what that was, but you know, back then. But so we've always been sort of thoughtful about the the sort of way we build, but now it's so technical that you gotta nail it and you gotta right. do it. And you know, you're gonna have a better product in the end. I mean, it's gonna be more efficient, it's gonna run better, and you're gonna save energy on different things. So we're seeing like, you know sustainability and lead was sort of the buzz of it all. And that's fine. It's, it's, you know, kind of like a market driven thing a little bit and it's still good, right? It's not, I'm, it's not, I'm not negative on it, but like, you know, now passive house is mm-hmm. almost kind of like the standard, right? And, yeah. and you, you know, we, we, um, we just uh, finished up um, in the fall, uh, Boston's first um, internationally sort of certified passive house projects with, it was three single family houses and, um, you know, we learned a lot <laughs> on it and our team, you know, did an amazing job, like trying to figure it all out. The developer builder was, um, was amazing. Cause he, it was like an experiment a little bit for him, but like, it's very technical experiment. So, you know, that was, took us a couple of years to figure out and do, but now we get it. We understand it. Um, and like, I think we have five projects now that are all passive house and it's translated to multifamily of right. course mm-hmm. so you know anywhere from 400 units we're doing um passive house to 100 units in cambridge that's going to be a, a fully affordable housing project passive house um you know and then as you mentioned that same uh, developer partner that we did the three houses um for here in boston they're we're doing an, like an 18 house uh development we guess it's kind of the sub suburb but it's different you know it's going to have sort of a different ethos to it too and it'll have some amenity space and everything but super sustainable residential houses like that's kind of badass yeah Yeah, it is what what's the cost implications of this stuff so it varies i mean you know it's it's probably in the 20 to 25 percent something you know add so it's not nothing but you know, one of the things I think are in this project I mentioned in, in Cambridge, which is, again, it's affordable housing. They're they're a affordable housing developer that is really, obviously, affordable housing is their priority. But right next to that or below that is a sustainable project. Okay. And the way they justify it, which I thought was sort of pretty brilliant, is they, they just look at the sort of overall cost, right? And, you know, it's great to be, be able to provide affordable housing, but... If you have folks that, you know, have limited income or on a tight income, well, they can't get $700 like heating bills, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're thinking about the whole picture of the residents in their affordable housing building having like a kick-ass sustainable place to live that's going to be, you know, 60 bucks or something, you know, because the systems are so different. They're tiny. You're like basically, you know, the buildings are like igloo coolers, right? They are super duper tight. So they kind of, the the amount of heat and air conditioning you need is minuscule. It's like a hairdryer. 
and you just the problem the or the challenge is you have to circulate the air right because you're basically hermetically sealed right <laughs> and so you got to get the air exchanges to go and those are pretty uh, sophisticated systems that do that because it has to be automated and thinking through it a little bit and going through it so it's really that sort of idea of like you know again being kind of like far out is like it's technical now, so yeah. technical, and it's all about sort of sealing and, and dealing with sort of the kind of air uh, penetration. Yeah, and, and it also comes back to something else you said uh, earlier, just making sure, you know, you've got someone with experience in your team that can help walk through that design and then make sure that it's built right, built well, and you're building to, you know, these tight tolerances are required. It's not like the day where you could, oh, shit, I missed the drywall. Let's slap some molding on it to cover it up. Don't anymore. work like that anymore. <laughs> Don't, and yeah. then, you know, and it's also about like, hey, where did that off cut go? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> like from the, the trash. Like, yeah. oh, wait, how many dumpsters do we got on the site? They're like picking nails out of this and putting drywall on that one. And so it's even about sort of managing the flow of the trash going out. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. all a huge piece that takes eyes. And so yeah. And I, and I would say, and this, it's the same thing we talk about a lot of times too, in terms of making sure the whole process from, from beginning, I like the word you used before, day one to day done or whatever. I think that phrase yeah, I'm going to yeah, steal. Yeah, that yeah, just yeah, came yeah, out of yeah. my mouth, man. <laughs> no, really? You, no way. I swear. I don't think I've ever said that. I'm not giving you any you, credit you except for right now it's stolen. I don't think but, I've ever said that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, Maybe my office would be like, yeah, you do your shit all the time. But, no, yeah. but the point is we talk to clients all the time too about making sure that you've got this good team because it mitigates not just costs of operating operations down the road, but mitigating risk too. If you're yep. out, you know, selling a project or even if you own it long term, if it's a multifamily apartment building, is if you have all these, you know, construction defects and, and, and claims and issues down the road, that's a ton of not just cost, but risk you're absorbing because you haven't sort of assembled the team and make sure the project is designed and built well. Um, um, and, and done in the right way to prevent that stuff from happening. Totally. I mean, you know, home ownership or rental, I guess we don't see a differential. I mean, sure, there's more lawsuits in home ownership, but technically, I mean, I think at least, at least we think about our uh, rental uh, developers, they're, they're always willing to sell, right? That's, I mean, most of them are. I mean, some like to hold on to, but usually they're looking to kind of get it ramped up and if they can sell it, they'll sell and move so they're still up yeah. on the market you know it's a different animal sure. altogether but so you got to be make sure these things are done to the best of the ability that you know that you can do there's not a question so awesome yeah so what's next for for roadie uh good question <laughs> <laughs> I know your your partner Kevin is recovering from yeah, an injury. Yeah, so wish him well. To Kevin, yeah. he, he had uh, um, some surgery today, and uh, he texted me that he he got through it and he's doing good. So that's awesome. Well, he's going to have a little bit of a recovery, but yeah. we got his back, and we'll we'll cover him. He's, just to be he's clear, a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So you are our second choice, Eric. So. Yeah, I, yeah I was going to say he was supposed <laughs> to. Was Kevin a, yeah. was supposed to be here. <laughs> Sorry, to our audience, but um, Eric's been. Yeah, uh, he'd be more interesting anyway. So decent interview so far. Yeah. Um, so you know. Uh, What's next? So I think you know we are. Um, well, we're 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 excited because we're we're growing still, um, and we're not only growing like from people standpoint, which we are. You know, we're in oh, we're gunning. We're almost to forty, which is kind of crazy in awesome. some weird way. But yeah. but we also are doing much more regional work too. Um, we have I think four. Four or five projects in New Hampshire we're doing right now, which is kind of amazing. And they're like, the sites are like, you know, amazing and beautiful. Um, 
So that's pretty cool. It's like Eddie yeah. Murphy in baseball. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think like we're, we're, we're seeing what we're doing in Boston translates right. outside of Boston, which is great. I mean, Boston, we all know that you know, the state of play right now, it's tough here. And, um, and we, we still love Boston. It's our home. We want to make it better. That's what we, so we'll continue to work here, but it's nice to sort of be in other places where they kind of like, yeah kind of welcome you in big open arms and be like, yeah, wow, yeah. that's a good project for our town or city or whatever it is. So I think for us moving, there's going to be, we're, we're already doing work in New York and, and Brooklyn and stuff. So that's another you know market we see. We started kicking around in some North Carolina stuff a little bit too, back to some of the roots of our, back to the roots. you know, yeah. you know and you so I think that, that it opens up a nice little sort of, you know, opportunity for us to kind of, get out there and do a little bit. Um, we, uh, Jess, who I mentioned, and, and Ben Juan, who's uh, employee number, I guess, technically three, but because Kevin and I are one and two, but Ben's our first employee, still with us. Uh, I, we love him to death. I don't know what's wrong with him, but yeah, we just made him a principal. We, he, he's we such made a Jess nice and dude. him I a principal. He's made it that long with you. I know. Yeah. Uh, something's wrong with him. But, <laughs> uh, we made Jess and Ben uh, principals uh, this past fall, and that was a huge step for yeah, us. Yeah, cool. And, awesome. and, you know, I think that really puts us forward and putting, you know, Kevin and I are like, you know, we're old guys now. We're in, you know, we got fives in our, 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 our years. And, and Jess and Ben really represent the future of the firm. And, you know, we're not going anywhere right now, but like we want Rody to be like something that's going to live on and, and, you know, really be embraced and sort of have this kind of uh, process. So we're, we're doing some strategic planning work, you know, oh, which is kind yeah. of yawning in some ways, but it's super exciting yeah. in other ways where we can kind of, you know, sort of guide the ship and, and sort of really get, you know, do what we want to do. And, you know, I think our, culture of our firm is like kind of unbelievable to be honest um we have an amazing group of people that just kind of get it want to be there you know we're not we're not really dealing with any of the work from home stuff like they're all there all the time mm. we had you know and it's like kind of awesome I, mean, I think we we both walk in and we're like what the hell's the matter with all these people? They keep showing up. <laughs> like, I think we just we got some really amazing people, yeah. and that's like that's what gets us up in the morning, gets us into work. It's you know they give us the sort of like you know the energy, or you know we're like vampire energy, energy vampires. You know, like it's a little show I'm watching on the Netflix right now, but the um, or Hulu, sorry. Um, we don't have sponsorships on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, you know, I think we got a lot going on, right? And and we got a lot of project work, but we also have a lot of aspirations to like, we're not going to sit back. We're, right. we're going to keep pushing ourselves to do bigger, better, cooler, fun, more interesting, you know, head scratching stuff. So it's kind of cool. So cool. That is very cool. So maybe to to wrap up here, what uh, since uh, you've designed so many restaurants, what's your what are your go tos? Yeah, I was gonna say that. Oh man! And then, and then we'll have to throw in one sailing question at the end. Oh, oh but we saved we it for the whole here show. We well, it, yeah, and I guess along both those lines, right? So twenty two years, twenty three now in Dorchester. Yeah. Like, are you like? Do you have street cred there yet? Like, do they? Can oh you say God. you're from Dorchester at this point? No, like, so, how does that work in the neighborhood? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the um, yeah, I, I mentioned karma and like I'm a believer in luck. Like, you gotta work hard and all that stuff. But so, um, uh, uh, Marty Walsh was is is 
yeah, we like I told you a story about how we moved into Dorchester, but like, yeah, it turns out like Marty Walsh is like lives two streets away from. I was, me I was about to, like, I was about to yeah. think he was the house between you guys. Yeah, no, but <laughs> he's close, and he's he's you know, and yeah. he was a, a friend, uh, you know, in that time, and then he became a big supporter of Rody and like you know, really helped us sort of you know think through, and you know, we we still sort of like keep in touch with him, and you know, and and th- those are important things, and Dorchester is like where we kind of did this and yeah you know you you sort of have to be kind of we want to be making our neighborhood better right and it's it's selfish of course like i want a place to go get coffee and do that and have restaurants and do that work and we're doing it in our neighborhood and and i think like it's really an amazing feeling to sort of be going through a public process with the people that you live next door to right and they might be challenging what you're saying, and and that's cool, and, and appreciate. It. And but when they come after, come to you afterwards, and you're like, you know what, you're right. And like the story in 3200 is yeah. similar. Like we love the daily, we love the market we did, we love all these things. And so, you know, Dorchester will be always part of Brody, and cool. vice versa. So, yeah. All right, cool. so back to the restaurants. <laughs> so um, you can't, you know, it's like any none of our projects are our favorites, but like. Um, you know, we did a couple restaurants for Karen Akunowitz, um, mm-hmm. Fox and Knife, um, and Bar Volpe over in Southie. Those are cool. unbelievable yeah, great, for yeah. some Italian fare. You know, we we working with the Coda Group on a couple of their restaurants. SRV in the nice. South yeah, End that's is my Dino favorite. Mite. That's actually my favorite restaurant. Yeah, you know, Salty city. Pig was another one we helped them sort of re- redo a little bit. And you know, we probably have like six going on right now restaurants all over the city um steve uh, nookie postal is one of our favorite early on uh chefs who has commonwealth over in kenmore square yep. um he's character and a half and so you know they're all amazing and they all are sort of doing their craft so any of them are um, awesome and you know um we they're, they're, they're all can't pick a favorite of course nah, yeah. I mean because they're all different you yeah know, they're all really cool so. some good choices man awesome. yeah they're really good. awesome so PT do you want to ask him about tilting no I'm not I'm, <laughs> I, I took don't... PT out sailing one time the boat healed over a little bit like, I can't deal with this tilting anymore I'm yeah. done yeah no tilting <laughs> I'll be on the golf course or get me a nice water condo with uh, oh, yeah, yeah sailboats please you come on really fun. Yeah, it's too much work. It I'm is not, work. I, I mean, it's I, work. I don't want to work when I'm not working. Yeah. Well, you know, you find a friend with a sailboat, and then you're not working. You're relaxing and drinking. And well, now that I know you have one, maybe. I mean, I'm not go. going on DeMello's yeah. boat ever again. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, it's, um, I've sailed almost my whole life. Oh, nice. I mean, you know, long, like, long time. My dad always wanted a sailboat when we were, you know, growing up, and he never got one, and he finally got one when we were, like, kids. And uh, we sailed on the Chesapeake Bay in, in Maryland. And it was just, like, awesome. And I learned so much about, yeah, you learn a lot, like responsibility and all the, the garbage that your parents want you to learn. And, um, and you know, we've handed that down. And, and you know, we, um, we have a sailboat. We live, obviously, in Dorchester. But they keep the sailboat at Savin Hill Yacht Club, which is five minutes maybe from my house. Perfect. Um, and we just can, you know, jump in the car or walk and just jump on the boat and go out on an evening sail. And like, it's, you know, it's therapy. It's, 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 it's for me, it's therapy. And uh, yeah, we've almost died a couple times, but like, hey, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about that? You know, you're going to have to cut that it. part so my wife doesn't hear it, please. <laughs> uh, no, we, I, I agree with you totally. It's, it is pretty much like therapy for us. It's a great family activity. For it's us, a great been, family yeah. activity. And, and, you know, you, you just sort of get out and you see the city in a way that you don't see it normally. Yeah. And, 
and you see it at all different times and all different conditions and all that. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it is a cultural thing like, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of like, you know, we, we don't do a lot of vacations. We go, we go on the boat, right? We so, do stuff yeah. on the, it's a lifestyle, I guess, maybe more yeah. than anything, but, um, it, it is a, a, a great thing that I just love. <laughs> I, 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 we feel the same way about it. For yeah. Sure, yeah. So it's, it's one of these, it's one of these moments. So it's, 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 it's great. Awesome. So, awesome. So, yeah. Anything we didn't ask you that we should have, or as uh, we wrap it tell up? me, I'm just visiting. <laughs> Sounds no. like, no, um, good stuff. I think it was great. Awesome. This was awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, really appreciate, appreciate you coming appreciate, in. Yeah. Really good conversation. And um, so as we wrap up, just want to say thanks for all the guests and uh, thanks for the guests, Derek. Thank you for being here. Hopefully the audience Kevin will... in spirit. Yeah, yeah, Kevin yeah. Kevin in spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we're thinking about him, yeah. <laughs> but I think we'll wrap it up. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Empowered Returns and stay tuned for our next episode. And uh, thanks, Eric. See you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Eric. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMello with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.